Hi everyone and welcome to episode 21 of the Judo Talk podcast. Judo Talk. Welcome everyone. So I guess I should be up front, like this this intro has most probably taken me about 10, 10 recordings now and it infuriates me. I hate having to redo stuff. Uh, I'm sure you can all tell when it comes to the actual podcasts, I don't edit it, it's just us talking. So yeah, if I have to keep on redoing stuff, there's been noises, I've been coughing, it's been yeah, very frustrating to actually get the podcast started, but my hope is this is it now, we're, we're in. And this week, we've had some amazing guests on the podcast lately, uh, just me this week, uh, I've really been struggling to just get some time in the day, it's really awkward. One of those things, especially when it gets to end of terms, the kids program like their schedule changes works changing ever so slightly and yeah just fitting in i had a couple of unexpected things pop up this week so yeah so it's just me we're going to talk about some great stuff it's when this is coming out to you guys on the friday morning athletes getting on the plane ash mckenzie our only gb male athlete for judo he's on the getting on the plane flying out yeah i can't imagine how stressful it's been for those athletes preparing for this Olympic Games to, to fly out there and the hard work still to be done just getting out there is going to be an absolute mission but I, I want to say a big good luck to all of the athletes who are fighting now I, so I noticed actually that Team Bath they managed to qualify three athletes for the Games um, which is phenomenal Ben and Megan Fletcher Ben obviously has been on the podcast they both qualified for Ireland and then Prisca qualified for Mexico, which is awesome. So yeah, real, real good achievement. It's, yeah, just, just to keep, be able to keep people focused, you know, around, around, around everything has been really awesome. So, so big well done to those guys. And I feel like it's, I should mention, you know, I, it's been two years now since the passing of Craig Fallon, who was a friend of mine. I lived with Craig for, for a good year or so. And I guess at the beginning, I don't want to bring the mood down of the podcast, but I just say, you know, anybody who wants to talk, reach out to someone. I think it's really, really important. It's such a sad time for the judo community. And I just want to build that, make sure that there's awareness that there are people out there who want to speak, you know, want to talk to you, don't let things build up. Um, but yeah, Craig's left a massive hole in a lot of people's lives and, you know, I just... Uh, also, yeah, the, so Gavin Davies, I've noticed as well, next year he's aiming with a, a group of guys to set up a tournament in Craig's honour, um, which I hope is going to be really well supported. I hope British Judo get behind it. I hope the areas get behind it. And I hope it's a real positive for the judo community and an excellent tournament in Craig's name. And uh, you guys, if there's anything you want me to do to help promote it, I'll more than happily do that for there. Um, so yeah, so I guess that's the sad stuff out. And there, there's a good few, few things I wanted to talk to you about. And we've just, in this country, um, 
England's basically just lost the, the European Championships to Italy. And there's lots of discussion that I've seen online, on the news and various you know, platforms about how angry people were and sort of annoyed at the England players for taking off the medal as they were walking off the rostrum. And I just don't understand it, if I'm honest. And what I don't understand is the frustration behind it. Because I don't... What would you What would you guys have thought, if you were of the opinion that they should have kept their medals on and stuff, what would you have thought if all those players had gone up, got their medals, and they were cheering, they were celebrating? The first thing I would have thought is they just didn't want it. They didn't turn up to win the game. They, they're more than happy with a second place. And nobody plays for second, do they? We understand that as a consequence of playing a sport or being involved in high-level competition that there's always losers. And... You know, we've got to remember there's more losers than there are winners. You know, in a in a judo tournament, if there's 60 athletes that have entered a weight category, 59 of them are going to lose. Only one person's going to win. So we understand as a byproduct of competing and trying to push to, to be the best that actually someone's going to lose or most people are going to lose and one person will win. And I, what I thought when I saw the players, and I have this real mixed relationship I told you guys before when it comes to watching sport I get so invested in it I was so interested and I was watching and for the game I didn't think we could win during the game I thought oh blimey we are going to win and then obviously when we lost I was yeah I wasn't happy but when I saw the players come up they accepted their medal and they took their medals off for me I just got the impression that they really believe that they can do better and I feel like by them taking the medal you know, they weren't rude, they shook, shook the person's hand, said thanks, moved on, they took it off. Why do they want to be reminded that they've just lost? How many judo, like, I remember when I was a kid, like, fighting at judo competition, whether you won, got silver or bronze, whatever, the medal would come straight off in your bag, because when I was a kid, it was all about, the medal didn't make any difference to me, and I know lots of judo players are like that, the, the medal has very little significance, it's more the experience of the event, or meeting your friends, especially at a younger age, so I just, yeah, I saw a lot of criticism for the England players, and... I just didn't get it. I, I really, yeah, I really, really, I can, I'm actually, I, I actually thought it was good that they showed a bit of passion. And I wouldn't comment on how they play football. I'm, I have no knowledge whatsoever apart from, you know, watching it as a fan. I have no idea on the actual coaching implications of, of a match. But I just like seeing a, a bit of passion and the fact that they really wanted to win. And I, I, I don't see that's a bad thing. But what, you, what did you think? Were you upset? Did you find it annoying, frustrating? The result obviously was frustrating, but yeah, I, I, I just didn't see it myself. But yeah, so there's that. And I suppose good news this week as well um, is the government in England have said that all legal restrictions are ended on the 19th. And everybody has their own views on that, whether it should still be in place or not. But I'm sat here Thursday, so the day before I'm releasing this, and I was hoping to give you guys, you know, all the updates of, of what's happening. And I'm just scrolling through my phone of like, the, the, there's no confirmation. And British Judo obviously released a statement saying they don't know anything, the DCMS will tell us. But I, British Wrestling have released a statement. 
Uh, British Taekwondo have released a statement. Uh, UK Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Association have released a statement. And none of them has given concrete this is what's happening, but they've given an idea to instructors and coaches and clubs of what they're expecting to happen so you can prepare. So I thought I'd just, um, so we had Gerard Turvey on the podcast a few um, a few weeks ago and he runs Nest and they yesterday I sat on a webinar with them and they were talking through their interpretation of the of what the guidance is and they sort of talk to all the coaches if you had any questions and you know just to help us prepare for it and they released a statement which actually I'm just going to read to you just in case there's been no further details I just think you know it, it can only help so obviously this is a summary and there's no definites in this but it might help you and your club so summary of the PM's announcements restrictions will be lifted at this stage no masks or social distancing removal of bubble systems no capacity limits scientists have foreseen a rise in cases and this has all been taken into account choose to go ahead with July 19th as a line with school holidays and therefore reduces the risk cross-contamination in those not yet vaccinated expect and recommend people wear a face covering in a crowded and enclosed spaces um, keeping tough border policy on wrestling yeah so it goes on a bit um, but this is the important bit how we interpret this for martial arts although restrictions have been lifted we would advise the following reliance on business owners to maintain a duty of care and due diligence maintain strict hygiene protocols cleaning between classes student cleaning hands before and after classes keep sanitizer uh, maintain ventilation flow of air Update risk assessments, spectators to keep wearing masks, instructions to maintain two metre distance from students, maintain bubbles where possible, uh, reasonable precautions taken in class. Now, <clears throat> that all sounds sensible to me. Uh, there's some things, like, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the government has said, so for me, like, I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to force anybody in my club uh, who's spectating to wear a mask. But, you know, it it will be encouraged and if people want to wear masks, they can. And I think it's just sensible to say, you know, adults are going to be back training. You're going to be able to increase your class sizes. And it's tricky as well because all of these um, relaxations come where actually judo classes become quieter. I know some of you guys will, will also um, close down for the summer. But, yeah, I just feel like even if we don't know, a little conversation around it is really important. And hopefully... If nothing's been released at this point, that will help you. If it has been released, great stuff. Hopefully it's sensible um, and you guys can get back into to your training. So yeah, so they're, they're, they're the few sort of updates on, on where we are now. And I, uh, this week, obviously, I asked for questions from you guys. And obviously, you guys are really good at um, coming across with questions for me. So uh, I, I want to start off with this one, actually. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, we keep on coughing. I have, uh, you can't catch COVID via a microphone or um, speakers anyway, but yeah, I have had a test. I've just got a cold. Sorry, we keep on coughing. Um, I just can't be bothered to edit out all the little coughs that I make. Um, so, yeah, so this one is from Jadoka Planet on Instagram. Give your opinion on leg grabs. And I feel like I'm asked this all the time uh, about leg grabs. So, I, I wanted to sort of just give you my own personal experience around it because I always say I'm not that bothered about it but I think a little bit of background um, of my own experience might help people understand my thought process on it so when I when I was a kid when I was doing judo 
my whole judo was around pickups and leg techniques you know leg grabs um one of actually one of, when i was really young one of my favorite older judo players i used to like watching was uh lee shinkin from wilsden and he was awesome i thought he was really good and actually when i was really young that was somebody that i looked up to uh, and thought that amazing judo and somebody that i really wanted to to base my judo around and so from the age of i don't know 12 to 17 it must be that's pretty much all i done was leg grabs okay so i was heavily invested in leg grabs and then around about that age is when i moved to Cambly judo club and the rules were changing so the rules were in the in its infancy were around um you you, you can't go for a direct attack by grabbing the legs but you can use counters and all this sort of stuff so the rules were about to change and actually i was watching judo at Cambly, I was on the sessions and it sort of opened my eyes up really. Um, Marco was the coach there, uh, like he's main technique with Uchimaru and lots of the players were after Uchimaru. And so I changed my approach a little bit because I knew the rules were changing and I, I liked watching this style of judo but I was just not good enough. I hadn't learned how to do those techniques, it was never put on me. And I feel like the journey I took through learning all of those harder techniques, um, Uchimaru's Harigoshi, any technique where you're sort of standing on one leg trying to throw, was actually one of the things I feel like I wish I'd learned a lot, lot younger. And I feel like through, through that journey has made me understand a lot more about judo, about the, the difficulty of it and building of the strength and I actually don't the leg grab rule does not bother me at all it it really doesn't affect me that it's not in competitions anymore I'm not that fussed about it I also don't understand why people just don't do it in their judo clubs like if you like leg grabs have a class at your judo club where you can do it like there's no issue it's still judo you know you're still insured to do judo techniques but yeah so I feel like and that sort of that changed the way I thought about judo and I went through especially when I started coaching I started to try and think about what do I want to teach what do I want to uh, the people I teach to be able to do and it sort of shaped so even to this day when I teach judo to anybody who's not higher level so anybody sort of I know anywhere from sort of 16 above British squad um, fighting internationally so anybody below that sort of standard I don't teach drop techniques I don't teach sacrifice techniques okay and the only times I ever will is if there's any part of their grading requirement to do so and it, there's a lot of reasons for this and I feel like with drop techniques and sacrifice techniques they're re really used when they're younger at the wrong time or at least it's a limiting factor on development so this is what I mean like so we know drop a drop Marate Sianagi at lower level tournaments is really effective and it works and kids win okay but actually as you go up the levels in that middle stage of you know national events international events they become less effective and I feel like that at this point is when it's really crucial for their development and working on what's not easy and what happens at this point is when players don't know don't know how to solve a problem so if they're against somebody who's really strong and instead of walking forwards they're dragging them 
the person turns with a drop technique, which is completely the wrong technique to do at that time because they're not sure. And then it becomes uh, like an escape mechanism. So if they're under pressure, they do these techniques to try and avoid being thrown. And it, it's the wrong mindset. And it's the same, same idea with, with the sacrifice phrase. So for me, I, I always try and teach structure, standing up. Um, but I also realise that the players that I'm working with will lose matches. I understand that actually I'm sacrificing short-term victories for hopefully for a long, long-term gain. And there's other issues. So it's not just the actual judo style, but you know the risk of long-term injury or overuse injury uh, from doing drop techniques on on your knee. So when I was a kid, when I was much younger, I would do drop techniques myself, and I suffered when I was growing up Oscar Slatus um, on my knees from doing the drop techniques. And so I couldn't do those techniques anymore. I had to move to pickups and stuff. So I feel like actually by doing, by teaching uh, right from the beginning, by teaching stance, structure, gripping patterns, movement, and not teaching the, the drops and the sacrifice phrase, not only am I creating a structure for them to develop their judo, but also I'm keeping them their chances of staying on the mat for longer much higher because we got we know how important randori is as players progress we know how important it is for them to get more matches and what i'm trying to do there is just reduce the risk of them being injured so by standing on their feet fighting their grips hard by moving and this is like i still love those techniques i think like i remember pete cousins world silver medalist he had one of the best drops I'd ever seen it real powerful it used to explode when he won his world silver it was awesome George Fonseca is another great example of, of guys doing those techniques and they're big heavyweight men they're not even lightweights using those techniques to great effect and I feel like they are really good techniques I just feel like then they're not the techniques I like to start with and Blimey, that's, that's quite a tangent, isn't it? Uh, we've gone from what do I think about leg grabs to me talking about drops and sacrifice. But yeah, so but I guess it all it all sort of fits in there, to be honest. I feel like that's that's the level that's where I'm at with it. And for me, I would just remove drops and sacrifice for from under 18s. And I know there would be people who say, well, when you go in international competitions, blah blah blah, they can do it. But the players that are of that level will be going on training camps, will be going, and it's far easier to add uh, a drop Sianagi or a Sumagashi to someone's judo if they can do standing Uchima, Haragoshi, standing Ippon Sianagi, because they've developed the strength, the coordination, the balance, the, the understanding of how the techniques work, and they've gone through a process of learning, realizing it's really difficult to learn, Getting past that, trying even harder and battling through. Those players can learn those techniques. Any judo player that's 18 years old, that's uh, of an international level, you could teach a drop technique so quickly. Like, think how quickly you can teach a five-year-old how to do it. So why would we think that we couldn't teach uh, an international player that later on? And I feel like their experience on the mat, that, that we'd, they would, yeah, they would easily learn that. And I know what I've just said there is most probably prickled a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, or maybe, yeah, I'm sure there's loads of people thinking, what on earth is Vince on about? He has lost the plot. He's been off the map far too long. But yeah, no, it's, it's something that I've 
I believe in and it's something that we do yeah something that I teach and coach and I, I just don't see any long-term value on it initially um, so yeah so that's that's where I am with that one judo boom uh, no not judo boom that wasn't judo boom that was judoka planet yeah Ooh, I hope all these questions don't I don't spend this long answering all the questions okay let's move on to judo boom then what do you think the position will be with judo from the 19th in england will it be back to pre-covid for indoor adults classes i'm going to a damn great theory uh yeah well i thought so <laughs> yeah there's not much to say in that we're all <coughs> we're all waiting for for the advice to come out but the only thing is i don't think anybody would be rushing to do competitions and stuff i know british judo have a coaching seminar they're going to keep you would imagine some protocols in place like mask wearing things like that in the buildings i can't see there's going to be a rush to get gradings on although i'd like some gradings to get back because i'd really like to start getting some more points for my fourth dan so the quicker that happens uh yeah the better for me i'd like to get back on the mat as quick as possible so yeah but i do think judo will go back to normal i think especially in clubs i don't see how they can stop you if there's no legal requirement and it's not down to you to to prejudge what's happening you do what the what you feel comfortable doing as a club i guess okay let's move on to richard murphy who makes a better coach for competitive judokas someone who gained their downgrade competitively or someone who gained their just going through grades at the club um okay so this could be extrapolate like this could be made such a big question that's like saying um should only olympic athletes be able to go into coaching roles that coach olympic athletes if we if we take that you know so that's a so it, yeah so basically if competitive judokas should a coach have competed for their downgrades or not if they want to work with competitive judokas yeah so i don't see how you couldn't you couldn't make that question much bigger and i think with coaching where most people get it wrong in my opinion and i guess that's what you're after if you listen to this podcast is assuming that coaching roles is the same all the way through and this i'll try and make this as clear as possible so let's take for example an an olympic games there's going to be olympic coaches there all right all of those olympic coaches will have different experiences different ideas different uh realities we've talked about that before so somebody like iliadis who's doing a phenomenal job with uzbekistan right iliadis doing a phenomenal job he was olympic champion world champion great he's done a really good job okay we had the swedish coach on on here the other day and he was a competitive judoka but he wasn't olympic champion he wasn't world champion okay but he's getting some phenomenal results from his athletes you've got luke preston who was on here darren warner who was on here they were olympic coaches got olympic medals from their athletes but didn't go to the olympic games okay they fought at a decent level and each athlete will be slightly different as well so some athletes will like so watch the french team and they're very good at using high level judo players as their coaches 
And what I would like to know, and if anybody has got any um, understanding on this, I'd love to hear from you, is are they the players that, are they the coaches that they work with day to day? So I understand this idea, right, of when you're, when you're stood mat side, ready to go out for a big event, having somebody behind you who stood in that exact same position, they've gone out, they've won those medals, and you feel that confidence from them. They understand the process. There's not much that's going to phase them because they've been there, they've done it. And that can give you confidence. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be great as a day-to-day coach. It doesn't mean that they're going to have the skills because sometimes the skills is like player management, you know, making sure they're somewhere on time, making sure that they've got their phone, they've got their music, they've got their water bottle, you know, making sure that they know where the next session is. It's not always just what you do on the map. That said, I think to be a good judo coach, you have to have a good amount of judo knowledge. So I don't believe that anybody working at top level as a judo coach doesn't have good knowledge of the sport. Whether they're able to do that in a competitive environment is something different, you know. But their understanding of the game, their understanding of what is required is integral. Like you can't you can't get away from that. There has to be. But do I think they have to be Olympic champions themselves? No, definitely not. And I think for each player it, it will change as well. And I think we also overlook the fact that actually there's nothing wrong with being the world's best under-8s judo coach. Like, I teach under-8s as well, and every session I do with the under-8s, I still want to be the best at teaching that class. I don't want anybody to be better than me at teaching under-8s when I'm doing it. So, but it's a different skill set that needs to be a little bit more empathy, a little bit more uh, control over the class, a little bit more, uh, there has to be clearer instruction, there has to be certain things that you would do differently. But that's generally in the way of the delivery, like the content, the skills and all stuff like that. That comes down to your judo knowledge. Do you understand about that? But your delivery and how you process that, that's still really important. And I think we don't have a good enough structure to say this is exactly how we want judo to be done and these are the skill sets for a coach working at this level you know uh, we talked um, we've talked about it on previous podcasts when when children go through maturation um, they start looking at they stop looking at their parents as their role models and then start seeing their peers and people that they look up to so it could be a coach as their role models so at that point it's really important as a coach to understand your behaviors and your image that you're setting for for that group of players making sure that they understand the boundaries what's acceptable are you showing them what respect looks like are you showing them how they should look with their you know turn up to a training session with a clean judogi so all of these things change throughout that that coaching process but the judo knowledge should always be there. You should always have the judo knowledge to be there. And when it comes down to bringing it back down again, um, if you want to coach competitive judokas, should you have fought for your downgrade or not? No, I don't. I don't see that there's a need. As long as the understanding the judo knowledge is there, and you understand what's required for that group at any one time, so they'll all be in different stages of their learning. So yeah. I don't think it's essential, 
But what do you guys think in on that one? I'd be really interested to hear from you on that, where, whether there's anything that I missed. I've tried to ex explain that as clear as I can, but it's like it's racing through my head, everything I wanted to say then. I tried to slow it down as much as possible. So yeah, so Richard, what's your thoughts on that? I, um, yeah, I'd like to like to know what you what you think on that one. Um, okay, so another another one we've got here. Any advice for fat old men looking to get back to judo? Well, right. So I can talk from experience here. Uh, I think anybody. It's going to be difficult. Where as the rules relax now, adults are going to be rushing back, and I know A and E is going to be full of a load of judo people. Well, not just judo. It's going to be any sport, isn't it? There's full contact of people injured. For me, I think it's about setting your expectations and making it realistic. Like, to think coming back doing full round dory is is something sensible when you've not done anything is most probably a bit out there. But I would always say change the rule set. So, for example, with adults, especially in beginner intermediate adults, even black belt adults that aren't of any real level, like I still ban take back techniques because I find that's one of the biggest risks of injuries with the adults so no Taniyatoshis no and and try and encourage them if someone turns in against you and you can't avoid the technique by skipping round allow them to throw you because it's not life or death at this stage it's about enjoying it. it's about getting up for work and it's about setting clear boundaries and what I would say is try and increase your fitness on the mat so doing lots of moving Nagakomi, lots of moving Uchikomi, um, trying to get that feeling and that timing back because your head possibly is up to where it needs to be. Think about the judo and where, where it should be, but you're, you're at greater risk at this point of injury because your body is going to be that that bit behind so doing all like even doing some of the kids warm-ups of like your animal movements your your twisting your turns your your muscle recruitment activation exercises just to give yourself the best chance um but yeah i suppose that's what i'd do i'd do uh, a really good warm-up in, in physical activation i'd concentrate more on moving each commie moving nagakomi don't be afraid to use crash mats whilst you're getting used to being thrown again and then change the rules of your randori. Don't don't do what you've always done. You know, make it so you're predominantly trying to turn, doing nice techniques, keep control, remove take backs just to give yourself a, a chance of being safe. Um, and that yeah, I mean it's difficult with the levels, isn't it? Like higher levels, you're you're pretty much good to go. And I suppose that having a definition for me when I say high level, I'm talking about. Yeah, people who are trying to fight internationally. Um, that's where sort of I'm at when I say high level. Anything below that is either recreational or, you know, beginner, intermediate, I guess. And that's not to offend anybody of that level. That's just the way I would categorize it and the way I would process it myself. So, yeah, so hopefully that helps. And I've seen this as well, like <clears throat> what rule changes will happen after the games. I saw that on, on a thread. And... I say I saw it somebody told me about it um, I really I, I really don't dislike the rules I find it frustrating the the Wazari issue and how I feel like previously you wouldn't even get a Kinza for landing like on your front slash shoulder 
and now it's a Wazaria. I find that fairly frustrating because, you know, the Ippon is viewed as the perfect score. You know, it's the, the whole point, the perfect score. That's what you're aiming for. And to see the shoulder barely touch the floor and still get a Wazaria, I find that frustrating. But I think, I reckon they will tighten that up. I don't think that's what IJF won. I don't think... And you got to remember, like, every single rule change that they make, they then have to play out. So they have to bring it into competitions. And, like, normally, what would happen, you'd get have an Olympic game game sorry they would then think about the rules they would bring it out for a year to 18 months of practice before because they have to set the rules before olympic qualification starts to open again so for example you get a two-year qualification period for an olympic games well this time around you're going to get two years so that starts next year so I don't see how they can really change any major rules at this point. I think the rules are pretty much there. Hopefully they'll tighten up that Wazari issue. But I don't see what else they could do with that. Um, there just isn't enough time to implement the changes and get, get them working on the international stage. It seems madness that they would try and change the rules before testing them and then you just run out of time before the Olympic qualification that opens in for Paris. So yeah, but what's, uh, you always see as well, let's bring leg grabs and all that and we've talked about just do a different sort of competition for that I think. But yeah, I, I think that's the only rule I look at and I feel like where they're going with this one I'm not I don't I don't see it it doesn't do anything for the sport and I know when I've tried to explain it to friends they're like well that seems a bit off but I feel like they'll work through that I think that will be just something that they'll change um, and tighten up on that but what what do you feel like the rule changes should be and don't message me saying I'd like to see leg grabs because it's just not gonna like I don't yeah, leg grabs isn't for me. If I, as we've talked about, really, um, I don't really see it anymore. But yeah, what's your thoughts? I suppose the last thing uh, I want to mention because I don't, I don't want to stay on this all the time because you'll be sick of my voice, I guess. Um, and I only really want to talk if I've got something to say. Is the new performance center has opened with some changing rooms, which is good. Uh, change rooms and toilets. Uh, so yeah, so at least that's a good centre. That obviously that's where the Commonwealth Games are going to be um, up in Birmingham for 2022. I've still not got my invite for that. I'll be waiting, uh, <laughs> waiting for my invite. Uh, but yeah, some exciting things coming up. Uh, I told you guys last week. I have got this book that I finished. Um, I just haven't had time to actually get it up online and available. Uh, so that's good and I'm hoping with the restrictions easing I can now start to get some recording of some techniques get some courses on the go um, <clears throat> and those who haven't ever checked out my YouTube channel please do I mean it's just type Vince Skillcorn Judo online you'll, you'll find it. there's loads of stuff on there there's hundreds of videos um, there's some stuff for those of you that are in uh, lockdown still not able to train but there's also lots of old Judo stuff that yeah, that'll be great for you guys to see. Um, 
so yeah so any questions if you want me to answer anything let me know i will be getting a guest on next week although if i'm being honest i've not organized that yet i've got a couple of messages waiting to come back to me uh but there will be a guest i hope and maybe we can have a bit more of an olympic theme next week so maybe i'll, I'll try and get a bit of research done and we we can do uh do a bit of an olympic theme so send me any questions that you want to be answered for about the Olympic Games and I will sort that out. Maybe I can get a guest where we talk about the Olympics and moving forwards. Uh, yeah, so any questions for the Olympic Games, any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, please send me a message on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, just search Vince Skillcorn or you can email me at vince at vincekilcorn.co.uk. Hope you guys have still enjoyed this podcast. I know it's been a bit different. I know it's not what you're used to. But yeah, as I said, it's difficult. I'm just trying to keep these going, keep them entertaining. And I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Don't forget, please share the podcast, recommend it, tell people about it. It's really, really important for me uh, and the podcast to keep pushing on. So have a great week. I hope you guys get back into judo on Monday. Uh, those guys in Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, hope you guys are back on soon. I think about you all. And I'm hoping once we open up, I'll be able to come around to some dojos. Uh, and talk to you guys and maybe get a few special guests on the podcast as well so have a good great weekend and i'll speak to you all soon talk 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 talk